Well, as we study God's precious word this morning, I would like you to take your Bibles and turn to Ephesians chapter 5, and we will be looking this morning at verses 21 through 30. Actually, over the next two weeks, today and next week, we will be looking at verses 21 through 33. This is one of the best-known passages in the book of Ephesians, one of the best-known passages in the entire Bible on the subject of God-ordained, God-designed marriage, a very important subject, and therefore I want to take two weeks to look at it. So this morning, we will look at verses 21 through 30. Next week, next Sunday morning, we will look at verses 31 through 33. So let me read for you, and I know that you know it well, but let me read for you verses 21 through 30 of Ephesians 5. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her, by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Well, our first point this morning is two difficult commands. In Ephesians 5, 22 and 25, we have two of the most difficult commands ever given to women and men. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Verse 22, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. As many of you know, these are that one verse, verse 22, has been despised by the world for many years. Secular thinkers and liberal churches despise verse 22. They tell us it comes from an archaic time in history when women were subject to oppression and therefore has no relevance for us today. They either don't quote this verse or they change the word submit. All kinds of young ladies in marriage ceremonies today won't use the word submit. 
They'll change it to something else. Verse 25, for many men, seems overwhelming and unrealistic. Love your wives as Christ loved the church. I'm not Jesus. I'm not God incarnate. And to them, it seems like a kind of pie-in-the-sky, idealistic notion. But not something they can really do. But that's not the only reason these two commands are so difficult. I know that some of you here today, just by the sheer numbers that we have this morning, I know that some of you here today find these commands very difficult because you right now, as you sit here this morning, are in a struggling marriage. There are some of you ladies who are sitting here, and I know you're probably thinking, my husband makes me angry. He frustrates me. He's not living the way he's supposed to be living. And now I got to sit here today and listen to somebody tell me that I'm supposed to submit to him as to the Lord. There are some of you men here today, some of you husbands, and you're thinking, I'm sick of the way my wife is treating me. I'm sick of the way she disrespects me. I'm sick of the way she puts me down in front of the children. Now somebody's going to tell me today that I'm supposed to love her as Christ loved the church. To those of you who feel like that this morning, I just want you to know, please, don't tune me out. Don't tune me out. I know this is hard, and I'm going to try as best I can by the enablement of the Lord to explain what these verses mean. And I think there's something else that needs to be said about this section of Scripture, and that is it is often taken out of its context, and that is sad and it is unfortunate. When studying Ephesians 5, 22 through 33, even the best Bible students leave out the critical importance of the context of chapter 5. Most of the time, when I've heard sermons on Ephesians 5 related to marriage, or heard it read in a marriage ceremony, they, all they do is read verses 22 through 33. I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm just saying it's unfortunate because there is a very, very important context here. In Ephesians 5.1, it tells us that we are to be imitators of God. We are told in Ephesians 5 that we are to walk as children of light. But there are two verses in Ephesians 5 that I want you to have embedded in your minds this morning. I want them to be seared within your souls, and they are verses 18 and 21. Verse 18 says, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. I spent all of last Sunday morning sharing with you about the absolute importance of being 
filled with the Holy Spirit, that we are commanded to be filled with the Holy Spirit, we are to be in moment-by-moment dependence upon Jesus Christ. Let me say to every wife here and to every husband, you cannot obey these commands. Verses 22 and 25. You cannot obey these commands unless you are constantly seeking to be filled with the Holy Spirit. These are supernaturally obeyed. In your own power, in your own strength, you cannot keep these two commands. And you need to know that. Being filled with the Spirit is the setup for this whole passage. Secondly, verse 21. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Some translations simply have submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Husbands and wives are first and foremost to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. That is the foundation and basis of everything else that Paul says. Here's the beauty of studying a book of the Bible. Now, I know some pastors prefer to preach topically, and I'm not in any way criticizing that. But I think there is a certain beauty and wonder about studying a whole book of the Bible, and this is one example of that. Or even if you're doing it on your own, of studying through the whole book, Because verses 18 and 21 not only set up the relationship between husbands and wives, but they also set up what Paul is about to say in chapter 6. He's about to talk in chapter 6 about parents and children. Then he talks about bondservants and masters or employers and employees. They are all based on submission to authority. And they all find their foundation in being filled with the Spirit and in mutual submission to one another. The principle of mutual submission is not only the product of the filling of the Spirit, but is the foundation. Folks, it is the foundation for the critical biblical principle of authority and submission. You will not be able to practice or understand authority and submission, which is taught throughout the Bible, without understanding the filling of the Spirit and mutual submission to one another. So this isn't isn't just found in the book of Ephesians. We're told to submit to those who are in authority over us. We are told to submit to our government authorities. We're told to submit to judges. We're to submit to police officers. We are to submit to soldiers. We submit in all kinds of relationships because authority and submission is how a civil society works. It's how God has designed all relationships to work. And sometimes we're authority and sometimes we're submission. All of us. Every single one of us. Let me say it this way. Every obedient, spirit-filled Christian is a submitting Christian. Okay? Every obedient, spirit-filled Christian is a submitting Christian. And I just want to throw out a challenge for you today. For the future. 
my one chance to kind of make this plea. Don't use Ephesians 5, 22 through 33 by itself. If you're going to preach on it, you're going to teach on it, use the whole context of chapter 5. If you're going to use it in your wedding ceremony, and don't misunderstand me if you've used it, verses 22 through 33, I'm not criticizing that. I'm just saying, at the very least, if you're going to use it in a wedding ceremony, at least include verses 18 and 21. I think one of the reasons this passage is so misunderstood is because we take it out of its context. So our first point this morning is two difficult commands. Our second point this morning is two beautiful commands. These two difficult commands are two of the most beautiful commands in all of the Bible. Let's take them one at a time. In God's divine wisdom, he commands all believing wives to submit to their own husbands as to the Lord. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Now, ladies, this is not qualified. It applies to every Christian wife, regardless of your social standing, your education, your intelligence, your spiritual maturity, your giftedness, your age, or experience, nobody gets an out, okay? There's no escape clause in verse 22. Nor is it qualified by who your husband is. And I understand, and I say this very seriously this morning, often when people hear this, when ladies hear this, their response is, you don't know my husband. You don't know my husband. This is not qualified by your husband's intelligence, his character, his attitude, his spiritual condition, or any other consideration. Nobody gets an out. Nobody gets a pass. And I want you to notice that little phrase, as to the Lord. Wives, submit to your own husbands, as to the Lord. This does not mean your husband is like God. Okay, submit to your husband because he's like God in your home. That's not what it means. You know what it means? It means with the same sweet spirit that you desire to submit to your Savior. With the same sweet spirit that you want to honor God. And you want to please God. With that same sweet spirit Submit to your own husband. In verses 23 and 24, it says, For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Guys, I'm setting you up for what's about to come a little later. Christ the model. Always, 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 Christ is the model. Christ is the example. Ladies, just as you would desire to submit to the head of the church, just as you would desire to submit to your Savior because you love him, and you so desperately want to honor him, just as the church as a whole submits itself to Christ, 
That's your attitude. That's your goal. That's what God wants from you. Do you know why he wants you to do that? Because this is his design for a wife. God has so designed the home that he has asked wives with a sweet spirit, the kind of same sweet spirit they show to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, with that sweet spirit to submit to their husband for the good of the home, for the good of their husband, for the good of their children, for the good of their culture. You follow, you seek to honor God's design. Now, ladies, I think it is so important this morning to say, and you may have heard this before, but I want to say it again. Submission does not imply in any way that the wife is inferior to her husband. This is submission among equals. That's why you have to include verse 21. Do not start this passage without it. This is submission among equals. So in no way is a wife less than or inferior to her husband just because she chooses to submit to him and the Bible calls her to do so again. All of us in all kinds of relationships find ourselves submitting. And I want to say something else that I think is extremely important this morning. Submission does not mean submission to sinful disobedience. Wives, you are not called by God to submit to physical, verbal, or emotional abuse. You are not. If your husband is acting sinfully, you are not called to submit to that. Ladies, if you need help and protection in your marriage, then you get help and protection. You are not called to submit to anything like that. You are also never called to submit to the sinful disobedience of your husband if he is involved in immoral activity. A number of years ago in a counseling book, I read that there was a case study about a man who was involved, heavily involved with pornography, and he wanted his wife to watch it with him. And he was telling her that she needed to submit to him and watch it with him. Ladies, you never have to do that, ever. If your husband asks you to be involved in lying, cheating, stealing, or anything that's immoral, you do not have to submit to that. Your first allegiance is to Christ. Having said those things, though, ladies, God calls every Christian wife to joyful submission. He does. It's his design. It's his plan. It's the way he's created the marriage to work. And there are going to be times when you and your husband come to a logjam on something and you just disagree. And you will choose to submit because he's the leader of your home. You may not agree with him fully, but you choose to submit. Ladies, there are going to be some times when you're going to say, my husband's acting like a jerk but at least he's my jerk. And I'm going to choose to do this God's way. I want to follow God's 
design. When done in the power of the Holy Spirit, in the foundation of mutual submission. Verse 22 is a beautiful verse. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Secondly, in God's divine wisdom, he commands husbands to love their wives in the same way that Christ loved the church and gave his life for her. Verse 25 says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Just for a moment, I want every husband here just to feel the weight of that command. I've said in many premarital counseling sessions, this is one of the most awe-inspiring, overwhelming commands ever given to any human being. And I want you to feel the weight of that this morning. I want every husband here to see clearly that Christ, Christ is the model for how we are to love our wives. Don't be saying, well, I'm, at least I'm better than that guy. Or I'm a better husband than he is. Or don't tell your wife, well, you could have so-and-so for a husband. At least I'm better than that. No. You look to Christ. Always, always, always look to Christ as your model of how you are to love your wife. The Lord's pattern of love for his church is the husband's pattern of love for his wife, period. End of sentence. You know what that means, guys? That means you are called by God to provide, to protect, to be patient, to love and to lead your wives and families as Christ cares for his church. One of the attributes of God that I find most comforting and I thank him for so much in my own personal life is his patience. Oh my, God is so patient with me over and over and over again and I fail him and I fail him and I fail him and I'm not the man that I know he wants me to be at times and I fail him and he is so patient and he is so patient. Guys, that's how we're to be with our wives. He's the model. He's the example. Husbands, this is God's plan. To love your wives as Christ loved the church. This is God's plan for a godly, joy-filled, healthy, and secure family and home. It's how he designed us. It's what we were created for. This is what we were meant to be. The man who only loves his wife when she's physically attractive or in a good mood or does what he wants her to, is not, he is not loving his wife as Christ loved the church. This is a sacrificial love. But it's also a purifying love. In verses 26 and 27, it says that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. Oh, Christ loves his church. 
He wants to see the word of God preached and taught and obeyed and cherished within the church. He wants to see us build one another up in love, to care for one another in the body of Christ, to fulfill the beautiful, good commands that he has given us. And as he has loved his church, so husbands are to love their wives. They're to sanctify her. Jesus said when he prayed, John 17, sanctify them with thy truth, your word is truth. We are to always lead our families to love Scripture. But let us focus on our wives. Here's what it means. Verses 26 and 27. Husbands, you are to do everything you possibly can to help your wife grow spiritually. You are to be her biggest cheerleader in helping her want to grow in spiritual maturity. If you frustrate her because you don't always come to church, you're not loving her as Christ loved the church. If you frustrate her because she has a hard time having a spiritual conversation with you, you're not loving her as Christ loved the church. If you're living disobediently and it breaks her heart, you're not loving her as Christ loved the church. And guys, I don't want you to misunderstand me. Your wife may be more intelligent than you are. She may be more gifted than you are. She may know more about the Bible than you do. That's not even the point. In humility and reverence, you need to show that you love Jesus with all your heart and that you want that for your wife. You don't have to have a certain degree. You don't have to have a certain IQ to do that. Anybody, any husband can do that. But not only is it a sacrificial love and a purifying love, it is a caring, deeply caring love. Look at verses 28. Through 30. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever cared, or excuse me, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes, cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Oh my, Christ loves his body. We are called the body of Christ, the church. And he loves his body and he cares for his body. When we are hurting, Christ hurts with us. When we are filled with joy, he is filled with joy with us. When we are in sorrow, he meets us right where we are at. I'm always so grateful when we're preparing and doing a funeral service that I know that Jesus is going to meet that family right where they are at because he cares for his body. And that's how we're supposed to care for our wives as our own body. Guys, let's just admit it. We love our bodies. We do. We will do anything to care for ourselves. When we get sick or injured, we can be like whining babies. You know, 
We're just like, oh, I feel so bad. Can you get me this? Can you get me that? And, you know, because we care about ourselves. And guys, you know how much you care about yourself? If you're a hunter, you're going to go out and buy the best hunting equipment you can afford. Or the best fishing equipment. Or the best golf equipment. Or the best woodworking equipment. Or the best automobile equipment. Whatever your hobby happens to be. You, you make sure you've got the best you can afford. You know why? You care about you. We're supposed to care about our wives. About their joys. About their sorrows. About their hurts. About their pains. And like Jesus does with his church, we need to meet them where they are at. We don't always do a very good job at this. I don't. But that's what God calls us to. That's what it means to love your wife as Christ loved the church. And then let me say this, something that needs to be said to all men here and especially husbands. No, no Christian husband should ever be involved in any kind of abuse or mistreatment of his wife and children. Ever. Guys, if you are physically, verbally, or emotionally abusing your wife, you need to get on your knees and you need to ask God for his forgiveness because you are living in sinful disobedience. You are. There is no place for that. We can talk all we want about the Me Too movement. It's all that's happening in our culture. And there are some good aspects to that. But no Christian man should ever be involved in any kind of abuse toward a woman or a child. Ever. We ought to lead the way. They ought to be able to look at us as the example for the right kind of behavior. Right now, the Southern Baptist Convention, some of you may know this, they are dealing with a massive report that has come out that there was all kinds of sexual abuse in many Southern Baptist churches during the 1980s and the 1990s. Huge report. So far, they've had over 700 cases reported. It's not just the Roman Catholic Church. It's not just the Roman Catholic Church. Fortunately, the Southern Baptist Convention has a a wonderful young pastor who at this particular point is the president of the convention, J.D. Greer, and he is trying to really hit this head on. And he wants anyone who ever experienced any kind of abuse to come forward and report it. But you know what they found? Over and over again, men in positions of authority were abusing their power. Over and over again, men in positions of power in the church, in the church, were abusing that authority and power God forbid that that ever be named among us. Guys, this may be an overwhelming command, but it is one of the most beautiful commands you will ever find. You get to be like Jesus to your wife. 
you get to follow the example of Jesus in the way that you love and treat your wife. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Let me try to bring this all together and then lead us into next week. Here's why this is so important. God has designed marriage to be a sacred relationship that demonstrates the supernatural power of a spirit-filled life and reflects Christ's own love for his church. Let me say that again. God has designed marriage to be a sacred relationship that demonstrates the supernatural power of a spirit-filled life and reflects Christ's own love for his church. The world is watching and your marriage is on display. Next Sunday morning, we are going to focus on verse 32. We'll look at verses 31 through 33, but we're going to focus on verse 32. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. Wives, husbands, your marriage is one of the most important gospel witnesses that you have in your Christian life. It is. Because if you are obeying these two commands, submit to your husband as to the Lord, love your wife as Christ loved the church, if you are really doing those things, you are so different from this world. And they're going to look at your marriage and say, what's going on? And it displays, your marriage displays two people, two sinful people transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ living in the power of the Holy Spirit. Your marriage displays two sinful people transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ and living in the power of the Holy Spirit. And they're saying, what's going on? Your marriage is one of the most important gospel witnesses that you have in your Christian life. Guys, I know some of you guys, you're all worried. And I understand it can be a good thing about being a good witness out there. You're worried about your evangelistic technique. and You're going to do street evangelism. going to be a better witness at your workplace. going to make a difference in this culture, going to go out there and boldly make a difference. But guys, if that's what you're worried about and your own marriage is falling apart, you miss the whole point. You don't get it. If you're worried about witnessing out there and your wife is sitting at home drowning in her tears, wondering whatever happened to the guy she married, you don't get it. Ladies, it's the same for you. If you're all geeked up about your Bible study, all geeked up about the latest Christian book you've been reading, and your husband is sitting at home in silence wondering if you even still love him, you don't get it. Your marriage, your marriage is one of the most important gospel witnesses that you have in your Christian life. I want to end on a positive note. Here's the good news. If you truly follow Ephesians 5, if you seek to be filled with the Holy Spirit, 
if you are mutually submitting to one another, if you really want to love your husband or submit to your husband as to the Lord, if you want to love your wife as Christ loved the church, there is great hope. There is great victory to be found in your marriage. I just want to say you can do it in the power of the Holy Spirit, obeying the word of God. You can. Here's the bottom line. God never gives us commands without providing the power to obey them. He didn't say, I want you to do these things, but I know you're not going to be able to. He has given us the power to have beautiful marriages that are a powerful witness to this world. I've asked Pastor Mike in the ensemble to close with that great old hymn, Victory in Jesus. And as you sing that song, I want you to know there is victory in your marriage, but it is victory in Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, help us to have gospel-centered marriages. Help us to seek to be filled with your Holy Spirit. Help us, help every husband and wife here to submit first and foremost to one another out of reverence for Christ. Give ladies, Lord, give these ladies the power of your Holy Spirit to submit to their husbands as to the Lord. Give these precious men here today, give them the power to love their wives as Christ loved the church. And may you, may you be glorified in all of our marriages. In Jesus' name, amen.